I want to welcome you to Pastor's Point of View, number 273. Today is September the 22nd, 2023. My name is Dr. Andy Woods. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, associate pastor, Dr. Jim McGowan. And Brother Jim, the, the time keeps marching on. I'm actually, as of yesterday, uh, another year older. Had a birthday. But you look the same. <laughs> look the same. Had a birthday yesterday. Appreciate all of the the well wishes and so forth that people sent my direction. And those of you that did not, you have a full year to prepare for next year. How about that? There you go. <laughs> Glad we got that out there first thing. So with that being said, um, let's just jump right into our material here and do our prophecy update. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> prophecy update for today. And here are the five uh, issues that we want to look at. Um, we've got Israel and the nations. You know, Biden just gave a talk before the UN. It almost sounds like he's auditioning to be the Antichrist, it's the stuff he's does. saying. We'll deal with the climate agenda, uh, big, big information um, that's now come out concerning our trajectory mm. into the cashless society. America uh, continues to be um, victimized by cultural Marxism. And then we'll have some information to report that's really not pleasant on the subject of persecution. Right. So with all of that being said, let's just jump right in here. Look at our first category, Israel and the nations. And so we have this article from the Times of Israel, and it's dealing with Biden, um, Israel normalization, two-state solution, as he's addressing the United Nations. So we've got a few paragraphs from that article to report on. Let's just take this paragraph by paragraph. All right. And here we go. Biden also used his address to the annual forum to make an impassioned case for peace and multi uh, multilateralism, noting a series of decisions by his administration aimed at deepening involvement with multilateral forums, including rejoining UNESCO after his predecessor, Donald Trump, withdrew from the organization for its alleged anti-Israel bias, quoting, no nation can meet the challenges of today alone, he said. Now that expression, no nation can meet the, the challenges of today alone, that's something called multilateralism. Mm. And what they're really against is unilateralism. Yes. America doing things in her national interest without going and properly genuflecting before the leadership of the United Nations and yes. getting their permission first. That in and of itself is prophetically significant. Can we put up Daniel chapter 7 and verse 23? Would you mind reading that? All right. As always, reading from the New American Standard 95 update, Daniel 7, 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. So the new world order is being constructed. Yes. It, it will exist before Jesus returns in his second advent. And so when Biden says no nation can meet the challenges of today alone, he's basically arguing for you know, uh, multilateralism. He's yeah. against unilateralism, which we think is paving the way for the new world order. Let's Amen. take the second article in that in that uh, talk, uh, that article dealing with his talk he just gave to the United Nations. All right. The second paragraph says Biden called for forging new partnerships before going on to tout a newly announced plan to connect India and Saudi Arabia to Europe via Jordan and Israel which he said, quote, will spur opportunities across two continents. This is part of our effort to build a more sustainable and integrated Middle East. Biden then addressed the US, U.S. push for Arab states to normalize relations with Israel, particularly Saudi Arabia, appearing to defend the effort despite the lack of progress on the Palestinian front. So the second thing that he really dealt with is... <laughs> They're trying to broker Israeli Saudi Arabia normalization. Yeah. Yep. Now that's that's huge it's prophetically. Huge. Uh, let's put up the map with Saudi Arabia circled. Uh, this is a map trying to capture the Gog Magog invasion that's described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 
You notice these various countries and arrows towards Israel yes. signifying they're the attackers. You notice that Saudi Arabia has no arrow towards Israel. Yes. And the reason for that is Ezekiel 38, verse 13. What does that say? All right. Ezekiel 38, 13. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to capture away sil or carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? So little old Sheba and Dedan which we think is Saudi Arabia yes. is the only nation that's protesting this invasion. Yeah. And that's always been a head scratcher. Why is that? Well, now you're starting to get an explanation for it. Mm -hmm. They're in a normalization agreement with Israel. And so therefore they're benefiting economically yeah. from Israel yeah. and they don't like the invasion. Now we never had that explanation before, but now that the United States is brokering this normalization agreement suddenly the explanations in place just, just fascinating <laughs> prophecy is just coming alive it, it absolutely is and this is all just in his speech to the un mm -hmm. you know i i doubt the guy even knows what he said let alone uh, how prophetically significant his words are absolutely uh, let's take that third paragraph if we could all right uh continuing with the quote it demonstrates how Israel's greater normalization and economic connection with its neighbors is delivering positive and practical impacts, even as we continue to work tirelessly to support a just and lasting peace between Israelis and Palestinians. Two states for two people, he said. There it is. Plain language. There That's the policy now of the United States of America it's been sort of the hidden policy for a long time, but now it's out in the open. Uh, they call it the two-state solution. What are they even talking about? Let's put up the uh, map, if we could, of the West Bank. Uh, that territory there entitled West Bank, which is something Israel won in a war of self-defense yes. going back to 1967. That's the whole name of the game. Yeah. The world community wants Israel to relinquish that territory. Uh, if you look at the second map, we hate the expression West Bank Amen, because brother. it's an unbiblical expression. It's the territory that the Bible describes as Judea and Samaria. Give it up, give it back, and if you don't, you're an illegal occupier, which legally is not even true. Right. Um, so there is Biden in front of the United Nations promoting this two-state solution. Now, the reason this is prophetically significant, there's a couple of reasons, is it's paving the way, we believe, for the peace treaty mm -hmm. yes. between the Antichrist and unbelieving Israel that is prophesied in Daniel 9.27. Would you mind reading that? Daniel 9:27 and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate and we have this uh, portrayed in a graphic we like to use frequently Daniel 9:27 overview of the tribulation period it gives you a nice summation of the seven years yes found in the verse you just read but notice what starts the seven-year tribulation period is a treaty of yes. some kind between the antichrist and unbelieving israel he does something he comes in he, he guarantees uh, her existence her security and the moment he does that god puts his hand on a stopwatch that's right. been in pause for two thousand years mm. and the final seven years tick off and that's the seven-year tribulation period the, the, i believe this brother jim the two-state solution is preparatory for that peace treaty sure because if israel buys into this two-state solution and acquiesces to the pressure of the world community israel's width is reduced to less than 10 miles where she's almost in an indefensible position. Yeah. And only an indefensible Israel would have an incentive to reach out to a deal with the devil. 
Yeah. And so point. I think this is where all this fits. By the way, as the world promotes this two-state solution, as America apparently is brokering it, um, God is not happy, no. to put it mildly. Uh, what does Genesis 12, verse 3 say? Genesis 12, 3. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So it's very clear that God promises to curse those who curse Israel. Now, how That's does right. this cursing manifest itself in the last days? The prophet Joel tells you exactly how it's going to happen. Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. So this is talking about God gathering the nations, you know, in the, the valley of Jehoshaphat yes. for the final battle of Armageddon, where the blood is going to run as as high as the horse's bridles for 200 miles. Amazing. So what triggers that? It's not abortion, mm -hmm. although as Christians, you know, we have biblical views on abortion. We're against abortion. It's not evolution in the schools. It's right. not homosexuality. Yeah. It's none of that. It's it's, you know, everybody's talking about being triggered today. Mm. Trigger words. Have you ever asked yourself what triggers God? I mean, when does God say enough's enough and bring judgment? Well, right there in Joel 3. Joel 3, 2. <laughs> whom they have scattered among the nations, they have divided. That's the two-state solution, isn't it? There you go. Israel's land. Oops, doesn't even say that. That's my land that's, that's that right. I bequeath to the Jewish people, <laughs> but ultimately right. it's mine. And and when the nations of the earth start to divide it up, that triggers God. Yes, sir. And so what are we watching? We're watching the nations of the earth plotting to divide the land of Israel, which is exactly what Joel <laughs> exactly. said would happen in the uh, in the end times. Um, and so it doesn't bode well for America when America is, you know, the cheerleader now for yeah. this uh, so-called yeah. two-state solution. I'm not excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Would you add anything to that? Yeah. Well, pray pray that this doesn't go through. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately it will. Ultimately it will. Let's move to the third article, uh, not article, but third or the next paragraph. All right. The next paragraph says, he did mention diplomacy with Tehran despite the completion of a prisoner swap deal the day before that also saw six billion dollars in Iranian assets unfrozen. So Biden just unfroze six billion with a B dollars in Iranian assets in exchange for incredible um, some prisoners being swapped. Um, it, it's, almost, it's like almost like they're doing everything within their power to empower Iran. Oh, yes. And further expedite their path into you know, uh, being a nuclear power, absolutely uh, getting their hands on a nuclear weapon. And that also is prophetically significant because mm -hmm. as we put back our map of the infamous Gog and Magog invasion yet future, you'll notice that Persia or Iran is circled yes. and they're <clears throat> one of the aggressors. And so an aggressive Iran, a nuclear Iran, an atomic Ayatollah, I mean, these all fit you know, this scenario, and apparently the administration, you know, seems to be expediting that process. Yeah. It's, go, in, go for it's, it. it's very interesting, you know, we've previously reported that uh, individuals in Israel have very clearly stated Iran will never have nuclear weapons. So you're setting up a scenario here, we're going to just dump an, an extra six billion on them mm -hmm. so that they can continue their progress in that direction. Boy, there's something about to happen. Yeah, it's it's like you're forcing Israel's that's, hand. That's exactly I mean, right. She's got to act. She she's done this before. She's mm -hmm. taken out uh, reactors and things. I think in Iraq, going back to like 1980, 1981. It wouldn't be out of character for Israel to to act, particularly with Netanyahu now as the prime minister. Yeah. And then actually Biden says something about China in the next paragraph in the article. He can't help himself. Quoting, when it comes to China, let me be clear and consistent, Biden said. 
We seek to responsibly manage the competition between our countries so it does not tip into conflict. Not, not stop China <laughs> on her path to world no. conquest, but manage the competition, yeah. which is a joke because we all know that the Biden administration and many of our politicians are completely and totally beholden you know, to Chinese interests. Absolutely right. Now, China, we believe, is prophetically significant. Notice our tribulation chart, giving the tribulation judgments. And when we look at uh, trumpet judgment number six and bowl judgment number six, uh, I think you can see there what I think can be reasonably argued um, is China. Can you remind us what Revelation chapter 9, verse 14 and verse 16 says? All right, Revelation chapter 9, verses 14 and 16. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And then it continues on and says, and the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. So this is the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be the sixth trumpet. The end of the process, I think, is the sixth bowl. Uh, that's found in Revelation 16, verse 12. Can you read that real quickly? All right. Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. So what does the whole picture look like? Here is, uh, if we can put up the map, with uh, the Euphrates and the Tigris circled. It talks about this giant army and they're on horses and they're not coming out of the abyss. And I think that's significant because everybody's mm. trying to tell me these are demons. Right, right. I'm not denying that demons are not influencing this of army. Course, I yes. think John sees that in his vision, but ultimately this is a human army. Right. The demons come out of the abyss in the prior trumpet judgment mm -hmm. and torment people for five months. Uh, those are the demons. But this is an army coming from on horses. Mm -hmm. I mean, do demons ride horses? I don't know if they might inhabit them. Yeah, exactly. And they pass not out of the abyss. They pass from the Euphrates, mm -hmm. east of the Euphrates. The Euphrates River, as you know, people know. Uh, if they listen to us regularly, we say it all the time. It's that geographical marker that separates the Far East from the Middle East. Yes. And somehow the Euphrates River is supernaturally dried up under Satan's power. And this army is coming from the Far East to northern Israel to participate in Joel 3, verse 2. Mm, yes. uh, the final battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And on their path, they exterminate one-third of the world's population. Wow. So who is this giant army of 200 million on horseback coming from the Far East into the Middle East, traversing the Euphrates River in the process? Well, there's a very reasonable interpretation that these, this one of the nations involved could very well be China. Yes. This was Dr. John Walvard's uh, opinion in his Revelation commentary, the last sentence there, if you don't mind reading. All right, quoting Dr. Walbert, the rising power of parts of the Orient in our day in countries such as Japan, China, India, as well as lesser nations makes such an invasion a reasonable prediction. So if he's right on this, that's why you see today in the news China in ascendancy. Yeah. Uh, that's why you see American politicians bought and paid for by China. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why you see China's influence everywhere. God yes. said this massive Eastern power would arise yes. and be belligerent in the last days. And so the stage is being set. Am I missing, missing something on this? It's as plain as a nose on your face, okay. I think. <laughs> Very good. And could you grab that last paragraph in that article we were reading earlier? All right. The final paragraph says, in his 30-minute address, the U.S. president repeatedly emphasized the value of institutions such as the United Nations and international coalitions that have helped the world confront significant challenges such as poverty and disease, as well as echoing his defense of democracy, a common theme of his presidency. 
After the speech, Biden planned to meet with Guterres and as well as leaders from the so-called C5 group of Central Asian nations, which include Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. The meeting was expected to focus on regional security, trade, climate change, ongoing reforms to improve governance and other issues. So he, you know, he, he can't end the speech without reaffirming the, the importance of these, you know, international organizations. Yes. I mean, we, we need these global organizations to yep. protect us from global promises. Yes. So yes. he's setting the stage for globalism, world government. And, and by the way, we need a crisis to convince everybody to mm -hmm. surrender their power and their sovereignty to some sort of transnational form of government. What crisis are we going to use? Climate, 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 climate. Did I place enough uh, emphasis on that, Brother Jim? I believe it's climate. <laughs> so that takes us into the next category, which is highly related to globalism. It's It's climate all things climate um yes notice this quote from 1991 from king and schneider these are globalists and they lay out why they selected the issue of climate as a pretext to bring in global governance all right quoting in searching for a new enemy to unite us we came up with the idea that pollution the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. We need an enemy, Brother Jim, because we can't convince everybody to surrender their sovereignty and power unless we have a, a global enemy. What are, what are we going to do? Oh, I know. Let's pick the environment. Yeah. Because if we can convince people that we're causing an environmental crisis, then they'll volitionally you know, surrender their sovereignty and political freedom, etc., to an institution like the United Nations or whatever that promises to resolve the crisis for them, right. for us. And right. so that's how to understand the whole push with climate. It, it has nothing to do with what I would call common sense, you know, environmental stewardship. Correct. It has to do with earth worship. And it has to do with the pretext for global government governance. That's why all they all these guys want to do is talk about climate, something that I'm not particularly worried about because of the book of Genesis. Yeah, thank God for the Bible, right? <laughs> Chapter eight, verse twenty two. What does that say? Genesis eight, twenty two, while the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So God describes cycles that are going to happen regardless of capitalism mm -hmm. and human behavior. So you can put, you, you can put us all under lockdown and you're still going to have these cycles include, inc including cold and heat, mm -hmm. but they want you to believe that we're causing cold and heat yeah. and only if we're causing it the technical name for it is anthropogenic climate change only if we're causing it are we going to accept lockdown yeah so this issue and the issue of the um the pandemic i think are the two issues that are the two horses that they're going to ride right into the barn you know to bring in uh the great global reset that they're looking for. And well, you know, Pastor, as I look at this whole climate agenda issue, in my mind, this is nothing less than a complete return to paganism. Exactly. It's just paganism yeah. re re repackaged. And that's what Paul said. If you worship the creator, you'll worship the creation. Yeah. So that's why this particular article is interesting uh, from AP News. And, and it's amazing how religious these people sound oh yes they sound like fundamentalists really <laughs> well they are yeah secular fundamentalists the the un chief warns of the gates of hell good sermon there yeah. in climate summit um what's this about the head of the United Nations warned Wednesday that the gates of hell are at hand as climate change intensifies. And top international officials said the world's leaders still aren't doing nearly enough to curb pollution of heat trapping gases. Quoting, 
humanity has opened the gates to hell, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said Wednesday, opening a special climate ambition summit with yet another plea for action. Quoting, horrendous heat is having horrendous effects. Distraught farmers watching crops carried away by floods, sweltering temperatures, spawning disease, and thousands fleeing in fear as historic fires rage. But leaders of the countries that produce the most heat-trapping gases themselves chose not to even ask questions about this. <laughs> Heads of state from China, the United States, India, Russia, and the United Kingdom and France all skipped the summit. But California Governor Gavin Newsom, he's to the rescue folks, uh -huh. was given the space to speak and tout his state's efforts. The 32 national leaders who did qualify represent only 11% of the world's carbon dioxide pollution. The European Commission's president was also permitted to speak, quoting, we are in the final stages of what actions are needed to preserve this planet. And regrettably, I'm not sure everybody is getting it, said Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley, who called on debt pauses and cancellations and changes in multinational development banks and the insurance industry. While she stands in support of Ukraine, she said climate change is a greater threat because more lives are at stake globally than they are in Ukraine. So the issue, wow. the Ukraine issue pales in wow. comparison to, to climate change, mm. apparently. Um, this is interesting. You're going to have a conference and you're going to condemn, uh, uh, what is it, heat trapping gases and you're trying to curb pollution and... Um, what you discover is is the nations that do it the most aren't even invited, or they're, or, or they're not even present. <laughs> yeah, they don't show up. Now, now, why why is that? Because the agenda is not to curb heat trapping gases. Right. It's never been the agenda. Right. I mean, if it were the agenda, the biggest climate criminals would be there, right? Mm, yes. But like China, but they're not yes. there. Why is that? Because the issue is not to curb heat trapping gases. That's just the pretext for what they really want to do, right. which is planet lockdown Yep. Uh, to bring in, you know, global governance. That's it. But everybody is thinking this is some kind of legitimate emergency that we need to stop. In fact, this is so part of our thinking. We have this article mm. From NBCNews.com, why the White House launch, launches the American Climate Corps. Oh, boy. Help us, help us with that one. The White House on Wednesday announced the launch of the American Climate Corps, which the administration said will mobilize more than 20,000 Americans in the clean energy and climate resilient sectors. Quoting, this is important because we're not only opening up pathways to bold climate action, but we're also not just opening up pathways to decarbonization. We're opening up pathways to good paying careers, lifetimes of being involved in the work of making our communities more sustainable, more fair, more resilient in the face of a changing climate. White House Climate Policy Advisor Ali Zaida, Zaidi said on a call with reporters on Tuesday. Zaidi was joined on the call with reporters by the head of the environmental group Sunrise Movement's Vash, Vashini Prakash. Sunrise Movement has been vocal in calling on President Joe Biden to declare a national emergency over the effects of climate change, creating a petition that has garnered more than 41,000 supporters, according to the group's website. Prakash compared the American Climate Corps to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's Civilian Conservation Corps, which was created as part of the New Deal in 1933, quoting, just as FDR's Civilian Conservation Corps put millions to work repairing bridges, planting trees, and building national parks, this Climate Corps will conserve our land and water bolster community resilience, advance in environmental justice, and tackle the climate 
crisis, Prakash said. So just as uh, FDR, New Deal, 1933, had his uh, civilian conversation, uh, excuse me, conservation core, because of the issue of environmental justice, whatever that means. Exactly. And because <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what does that mean? And because of the idea that we need to tackle the climate crisis, uh, we have to create now the climate core. And guess what? We just have enough brainwashed youth who believe that this is true and don't understand that this whole thing is a hoax to invest their their lives in, in that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if they invest their lives in it, according to this article, they, they might end up in a good paying career. Oh boy. Um, just remember that the next time they say, well, the only people that are against this is industry because they're trying to protect their money. Mm. Well, it looks, looks to me like these people are trying to create a, a series of high paying jobs that don't exist. Mm. Um, and so to do that, you've got to convince people that we're in a crisis. Sounds familiar, doesn't but it? But this is all the pretext of, of, wow. of global governance. governance. Another, unless you want to add something. <laughs> no. Another, you've had enough. Uh, another pretext of global governance is, is cashless. We've got to move into a cashless society. Yes. Of course, the famous passage on that is Revelation 13, 16 through 18. All right, Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. So this is the direction the world will move in before Jesus returns. There are so many interesting things to talk about here, but <laughs> yes. just for the sake of time, we can only focus on one thing. This is obviously a cashless one-world system. Yes. Uh, where you're, the money, as we know it, the concept is gone. Right. Um, and we're, we're basically digitizing everything. Yes. Um, I'm here to tell you folks that the agenda to do this is right on schedule. It sure is. Uh, you'll notice uh, this article here from ntd.com. It's a September 12th article, recent meeting of the G20. They have announced plans to impose, notice, the, notice word. the word impose, yeah. digital currencies and IDs worldwide. Uh, if people can't see Revelation 13 in that, uh, I can't really help them in yeah. more than I've tried. <laughs> right. Of course, what's described here is not the mark of the beast, but it's certainly preparatory for it. Mm -hmm. So what does this article say? The group of 20 leaders have agreed to a plan to eventually impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective populations, despite fears that governments will use them to monitor their people's spending and crush dissent. Many critics are concerned that governments and central banks will eventually regulate cryptocurrencies and then immediately replace them with central bank digital currencies, which lack similar privacy and security. Interrupting you just for a second. That's the key expression. CBDCs. Yeah. Central bank digital currencies. It's um, essentially taking our economy and digitizing everything. Mm -hmm. it's, yes. it's being sold today under the banner of convenience. Yes. But the problem with it is <laughs> once everything is electronic, they have a total record of all of my purchasing behavior. Yep. And if I happen to purchase things or support things that are outside whatever narrative they're trying to promote, they just kind of click a switch and I'm locked out of the system. That's true. Or they'll give me a score. Your 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 social credit score this month uh 
Mr. Woods is, is not high enough, and so we're going to limit some of your opportunities in life. Exactly. Passport privileges, yeah. traveling, and this is a way to control the population. Yep. That's why these CBDCs are such a big deal that they're G20 are promoting globally. Uh, please continue. All right. However, some of the suggestions call for additional policing of cryptocurrencies, which are decentralized and do not operate under central bank's control. Critics say that these proposals could allow government authorities to impose a social credit score system and decide how their citizens can spend their money. <laughs> At the summit, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen called for an international regulatory body for artificial intelligence, digital ID systems similar to coronavirus vaccine passports, and advocated for global cooperation to address the challenges presented by AI. The European Union is currently trying to introduce a block-wide digital identity app that would consolidate various personal information, including passports, driver's licenses, and medical history. So digital identity, COVID passports, CBDCs, AI, artificial intelligence, um, Certainly the the world would embrace something like that, wouldn't they? Well, they think will. again. What does the Cato Institute say? Well, thank God for the Cato Institute. <laughs> the Cato Institute 2023 CBDC National Survey from May found that only 16% of Americans support the adoption of a CBDC. The population says we don't want anything to do with this. The powers that be say, well, you're going to have it whether you like it or not. And, and that's why the word impose is such a big deal. So first it's kind of rolled out as a, an option you can have, but what's voluntary will become the only option, you know, as time progresses. Well, it's encouraging that only 16% of America <laughs> are for it, but it's also troubling that 16% of America are for it. <laughs> yeah, Continuing the article, Queen Maxima of the, of the Netherlands said, quote, if designated properly, CBDCs could hold great promise to support a digital financial system that works for everyone. However, her statements in support of the plan have come under criticism by some in the debate over digitalization in the Netherlands for violating the norm regarding the role of the Dutch monarchy in politics. Quoting, Maxima openly advocates for programmable money power in central banks without parliamentary accountability, said Dutch financial journalist Arnold Wellens via X, calling the queen, quote, an unelected official who is outside politics under Dutch constitutional law and said her statements were a serious attack on democracy. That's what these CBDCs are. They're an attack on freedom. He nailed it. Um, let's move on to cultural mm -hmm. Marxism. Because, you know, the last great hope for freedom in the world, uh, America, her, her light is eclipsing. And it's, it's largely happening through something called cultural Marxism. Right. Notice this picture here of Antonio Gramsci, who outlined the method is the way to change a host culture and make it more, you know, uh, accommodating to Marxism. Mm -hmm is you change the values of that culture from within. And one of the things you have to do is you have to rewrite her history. Yeah. Because Karl Marx himself said, a people that know, that do not know their history are easily persuaded. Yeah. So you have to wipe the whole concept of freedom, our founding fathers, what they stood for, what they fought for, what they bled for, what they died for, you have to eliminate that from the collective conscience right. of Americans to get us to move into this sort of one world Marxism that we're moving into. And, and this is what's happening. The Gramsci method is being used constantly. You'll notice this article from Fox News, New York City is considering removing statues of George Washington. Yeah. 
Surprise, surprise. Uh, creating a task force to monitor, you know, uh, these kinds of things. And it's just horrific what's happening in New York City. What's going on there? As New York City cripples under monumental budget cuts due to a migrant crisis straining public resources, the city council is planning to consider a series of measures that would, among other things, remove statues of major historical figures like George Washington and create a reparations task force. Now, real quickly, reparations is re wealth redistribution. Yes. Every time you see reparations, just cross out the word and put wealth redistribution, yes. which is Marxism. Exactly. The items are included in New York City's council agenda for Tuesday, September, September 19, 2023. Well, that was just this week. Mm -hmm. The council's cultural affairs committee will hold a public hearing on a measure to remove works of art on city property that, quote, depict a person who owned enslaved persons or directly benefited economically from slavery or who participated in systemic crimes against indigenous peoples or other crimes against humanity. These criteria would include figures like America's first president, George Washington, Dutch governor and New York settler, Peter Stuyvesant, as well as Christopher Columbus, all of whom have statues throughout the city. So it's interesting who they're picking on here. George yes. Washington, Christopher Columbus, not a word against Islam that no. legalizes still, you know, slavery is still practices it. Practices slavery right now as we speak. Not yes. a word against that. Yep. But these ancient voices from the past selectively called out and removed their statues removed. George Washington, the founder of America, mm -hmm. gone. Christopher Columbus, the discoverer, you know, of America, arguably gone. So, so what this is, is it's an attack on the foundations of our country. Uh, if you don't mind completing the article there. All right. Continuing also on Tuesday agenda, Tuesday's agenda is a proposal to create a task force to, quote, consider the impact of slavery and past injustices for African-Americans in New York City and reparations for such in, uh, injustices. Other proposals call for anti-racism training for human services contractors and city employees, as well as requiring the placement of an information sign near the intersection of Wall and Pearl Streets, quote, to mark the site of New York's first slave market. So once the left controls a city, this is basically the results. Right. You want to work for the city, you got to sit under indoctrination, yeah. telling you how bad America is. And here's this whole task force designed to go around and monitor uh, these statues to make sure we get rid of all of them and promote mm. reparations, which is nothing more than wealth redistribution. And so they're, you know, as we've tried to explain in prior shows, they're using this issue of critical race theory to promote Marxism. Exactly. And um, yeah. the Gramsci method, you know, seems to be working really well. In yes. fact, what does Psalm 11 and verse 3 say? Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, there's a reason why they're going after the foundations. They're trying to destroy the, you know, what buttresses freedom. Yeah. Because they don't want freedom. They right. want maximum government. And yes. that's how to, I think, interpret, you know, all of these things. Yes. By the way, this is the same crowd. If we can put up the New York Post uh, slide there. This is the same crowd that went after Thomas Jefferson yes. back in 2021. Mm -hmm. How long has his statue, Thomas Jefferson, been in New York City Hall? A long time. Long well, time. Let, let's move him out. We can't have him. Uh, he was a slave owner, even though he tried to release the slaves and even though uh, he was in a state that it was illegal to release your slaves. Um, he was a terrible person. And uh, let's let's get rid of his statue. Of course, they singled out Thomas Jefferson for the same reason they're singling out George Washington right. and Christopher Columbus because of what the foundational principles that Thomas Jefferson represents, mm -hmm. which is 
unalienable or inalienable rights as demonstrated in our Declaration of Independence, which Thomas Jefferson was the principal author of, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. We can't have that. No. Because we want want people to believe that the government can take away your rights whenever there's the next crisis. But Thomas Jefferson said, no, the government can't do that in our birth certificate, uh, the Declaration of Independence, because our rights come from God. Amen, so let's, let's lay siege to Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a pattern here. Yes. Would you add anything to that? It just reminds me of Janet Reno <laughs> telling us how the government has been so kind in granting us all these rights we have. Yeah, thank you, Janet. Um, <laughs> there's a... Bad dream from the past right right there. Let's move into our last uh, category, and that has to do with persecution. We know that there's going to be a global persecution against God's people in the end times. What does Revelation 17 and verse 6 say? Revelation 17, 6. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. So clear prophecy about persecution coming against God's people. And this is the kind of thing that we're even seeing here in the West, in North America, where more and more Christian organizations, because of their stance on biblical marriage, are being denied platforms, access, Mm -hmm. forums, um, uh, hotels, the article that we're going to read here even talks about even churches. So this is talking about what's been happening to promise keepers, an organization founded in 1990 that holds men's rallies in stadiums nationwide. Now you and I, brother Jim, we're not completely on board with all of the ecumenical sort of theology of promise keepers, but that's not our point today. Our point is Promise keepers have legal rights. Mm-hmm. Promise keepers has legal rights, yes. which are being denied. Exactly. And consequently, we have this article from the Christian Post. Christian venues cancel evangelical men's outreach uh, promise keepers over what? Gender ideology. Mm-hmm. Gender ideology? Mm-hmm. What is that? That there's man and woman and God said be fruitful and multiply? <laughs> that's that's called gender ideology and that denies you access to stadiums platforms and forums mm. to try to to try to help men become more godly yeah uh, so what's going on here promise keepers an evangelical organization founded in 1990 that holds men's rallies in stadiums nationwide has seen several scheduled events at churches and other venues canceled in recent months As recently as June, Belmont University, a private Christian university in Nashville, canceled a Promise Keepers event after the National Christian Men's Ministry posted a blog criticizing LGBT Pride Month. The university accused the organization of, quote, unnecessarily fanning the flames of culture wars, close quote. The event, which was part of the group's Daring Faith Tour, is one of several events that were later canceled by Christian venues, including Hope Church in Cordova, Tennessee, and the Fountain of Praise in Houston. Mm. Despite Promise Keepers' decades-old legacy challenging Christian men to live out God's calling, Chairman and CEO Ken Harrison says much has changed since the 1990s when the group first launched. While some have cited concerns about offending people with biblical truth, said Harrison, others were less clear in their reasons, quoting, One venue was worried that we would offend people by expressing our belief rooted in Scripture about gender and sexual identity, he told the Christian Post via email. Others said they didn't want to draw protesters or simply didn't give us a reason. Harrison said the cancelizations were disheartening given that they came not from secular groups, but overtly Christian ones. It's disheartening to us that churches don't want to offend people with the truth of the word, something we've come to expect from the culture. 
but which dismays us coming from Christian institutions, he said. In 2021, a USA Today editor called on the Dallas Cowboys organization to bar promise keepers from holding a men's conference at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, over Harrison's views on men competing in women's sports. So why does Harrison believe this pushback is happening now? Quoting him, the spirit of the age we live in is fear of being criticized, disliked, or canceled. So Promise Keeper's leadership has a view on whether men should participate in women's sports. Duh. Hello. Uh, what used to be called common sense. Mm -hmm. Men participate in men's sports. Women produce in women's sports. What a thought. What a thought. Now, Promise Keepers has a view on that, and now you're shut out of forums. Yeah. And, and part of the people shutting you out are so-called churches. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, those aren't even churches. Don't even call them churches. That's a gathering, but it's not a not a church. Yeah. I mean, a, a church is First Timothy three verse fifteen, the the pillar of truth. Yes. Any church that capitulates on this issue isn't standing for anything. No. Certainly not standing on divine truth. No. But this is the kind of thing that we can start to expect to happen more frequently, according to God's prophetic word. Now, what's sort of troubling is now. The forces that be have the technology <laughs> yes. to ferret in advance the troublemakers out. Um, here we have this article from uh, insider.com. New York City, boy, New York City keeps coming up here, Brother Jim. <laughs> New York City police have spent millions on a tech company that claims it can use AI to monitor social media and predict future, future criminals. We can come against people that haven't committed a crime yet, but that we know they're going to commit a crime. And we have the technology to, to pull that off. <laughs> well, I'm just having visions of a movie that came yes. out about 20 years yep. ago called Minority Report. Yep. It sounds like that they just took the script and just put it in an article. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how Hollywood telegraphs it is. what it's going to do way in it advance. Is. So help us with that. Article. All right, here we go, folks. The New York City Police Department has spent millions buying products from a tech company that claims it can use social media to track and even predict crimes, a new report reveals. Now, I have to pause here. Didn't we just read that they're <laughs> bankrupt in that city? But let's throw a million. Okay. Well, anyway, continuing. The, uh, uh, the Surveillance uh, Technology Oversight Project, a nonprofit dedicated to combating mass surveillance and protecting privacy, has released redacted versions of NYPD contracts with Voyager Labs that show the department signed a contract for more than $8 million with the company in 2018. While law enforcement's use of social media analytics is nothing new, Voyager Labs says its products are capable of more than surveillance, The Guardian reported. The company has claimed its products can also predict future crime. According to an investigation from the Brennan Center for Justice, a law and public policy institute, quoting, Voyager Discover takes Voyager Analytics abilities a step further, analyzing not only who is most influential, but also who is most invested in a given stance, emotionally, ideologically, and personally, says a Voyager Labs sales pitch to the Los Angeles Police Department obtained by the Brennan Center for Justice, quoting, this ability moves the discussion from those who are most engaged online to those most engaged in their hearts. Mm. Voyager Lab, Labs has also claimed its AI can assign risk scores to social media users regarding their, quote, ties to or affinity for Islamic fundamentalism or extremism, according to the Brennan Center for Justice report. Another one of their products, Voyager Check, provides, quoting, provides an automated indication of individuals who may pose a risk, according to Voyager Lab website. 
Will Owen, Communications Director for the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, called the use of these products invasive and alarming in a press release. Now, committing a crime, you have to have mens rea, mental state, and typically you also have to have actus, what's called actus reus, criminal act. Well, they just move, remove the second part from the equation. Mm. They're changing criminal law where we're now investigating would-be criminals. And notice this word, ideologically. Mm-hmm. People that are emotionally, ideologically, and personally kind of on the precipice of being would-be criminals. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't, couldn't that easily be applied to us? You know, we're kind of ideological since yeah. we follow the Bible. Don't worry, though, we're just going after Islamic fundamentalism or extremism today keep today keep in mind folks that's exactly what they said with the patriot act that's exactly right now they've turned the patriot act on the patriots they did subsequently just talk to the j6 prisoners and follow that situation and you'll see evidence of that you were going to add something Uh, is this not thought uh thought policing yeah thought police thought control um, you know, it's it's one thing to talk about persecution. It's, it's another thing to say they now have the technology in place or are about to get it where they think they can, you know, ferret out would-be criminals before there's an actual actus reus. And yeah. so... That's, fi- uh, that, that, that's frightening. Yeah, and, and it's it's furnishing the scenario that the Bible predicts of the worldwide persecution of God's... It sure of is. God's... Uh, God's people. Absolutely. So that's our prophecy update for today. We've looked at Israel and the nations. The alignment is coming together perfectly. The the climate agenda, how that's a pretext for global governance, the continual drift into the cashless society, the toppling of the American society into the new world order via cultural Marxism, and the stage being set for global uh, persecution. Of course, we want to end on a positive note. Yes. Uh, what does Titus 2.13 say? Thank you, Jesus, for Titus 2.13. <laughs> Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So that's our hope. It is. Uh, the world is growing gloriously dark, but yes. we have the hope of the soon return to rescue his church from the earth before the wrath of God hits planet earth. People can come into a relationship with the Lord and be tied into this promise even as we're speaking by placing their personal faith or trust into the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the safekeeping of their soul. You can do that right now even as I am speaking. By way of infomercials, I want to encourage folks to download the new app that we have in the App Store where we upload our content constantly. Just go to Andy Woods Ministries in the App Store and you'll be able to find it. I just had a radio interview with the guy where I was talking about that and he actually downloaded it as we were speaking and wow. said, this downloads really fast. You know, <laughs> this, this is great. Um, we also have PPOV in podcast format and we're getting now podcast numbers, Brother Jim, that we've never had before wow. in terms of an increase. So. Apparently, this is a fruitful medium that, that people like to use. So go to wherever it is you get your podcasts and type in Andy Woods Ministries or Pastor's Point of View. And all of our Pastor's Point of View shows are now available in podcast format. If you want the show notes that we read from, just go to our website, andywoodsministries.org. And there's a conspicuous way on the homepage to shine up for our show notes every time we post a Pastor's Point of View. These show notes will show up in your inbox. And there's a lot more in those notes yes, if you want to get them. absolutely. And I want to remind people that Curtis Bowers is coming to speak at Sugarland Bible Church. Different messages, both in the Sunday school hour, 9.45 a.m. and the main service, 11 a.m. He is a great uh, Christian and constitutional conservative Coming to Sugarland Bible Church October the 8th. Want to make people aware of that. Brandon House is having his Worldview Weekend Lake of the Ozarks Conference October 20th 
through 22nd. I'm one of many speakers focusing on, you know, patriot and constitutional type issues. Uh, I want to make you aware of that in Lake of the Ozarks. We have our own prophecy conference coming up, Brother Jim, very quick into the new year. Yeah. February 23rd, Friday night banquet, February the 24th, all day conference on Saturday. You can register right now at the Sugarland Bible Church registration page featuring uh, creation to consummation. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we've entitled this Flood to Final Days. So we're dealing with creation and the end times and how they're connected. Speakers including... Olivier Melnick, Russ Miller, who will cover the creation side of it, Dr. David Reagan, and myself. I want to make you aware of Chafer Theological Seminary, uh, a school that I'm a president of, if you want to, some academic training and how to rightfully teach and divide and study God's Word. Uh, we have a school set up for you to do that. Just go to chafer.edu for further information. And a couple of closing here, Brother Jim, very important announcements. Pastor um, David Dunn, who is a, uh, a pastor of a Bible church locally here in Houston, he... Um, very, very sadly, he's the pastor of Grace Bible Church locally here in Houston. He suffered a traumatic heart attack that severely damaged his heart. Yes. And uh, it requires a ventricular, if I'm pronouncing that right, assistance device, which he's currently on, but he needs a heart transplant. Yes. And if he doesn't get a heart transplant, he will not survive. Correct. And so he is a man of God. He is a faithful Bible teacher. He believes all of the things that we believe yeah. and teach here at Sugarland Bible Church. In fact, you can catch his show on the Grace uh, Global Radio app. And he's connected with Chafer Theological Seminary, and he is a good man. The problem is this heart transplant comes into a number of over a million dollars. Oh, yeah. So consequently, an account, not an account, but a, 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 like a GoFundMe, GoFundMe type. type of situation has been set up for him. If you, if the Lord leads and puts on your heart to donate to this, um, it will not go to any church. It doesn't right. go to a church first. Right. It goes directly into this issue that David, David Dunn is in need of. He, he has insurance, but the insurance policy that he has is very meager right. and will not you know, cover this particular issue. Yeah. So, um, and we're just putting the word out there. You know, yes. If the Lord puts it on your heart to help him, um, go to www.givesendgo.com forward slash David Dunn. And I think you can see the link the there at the top of the screen. And so we're just kind of putting it out there for people um, to, you know, be involved in this. Yes. If the, it's a, it's a worthy cause, if the Lord puts it on your heart to give, uh, it would, you know, greatly bless and, and help him. Well, and if you can't do that, you can pray. Absolutely. And even more important than that is, is to pray for him. It's, it's really a tragic situation. Yes. And one other fast announcement that's very important, Brother Jim, is September 26, 2023 through October the 12th, I am not going to be in the country. Uh, we're going to be on our Bible Lands cruise which is going to take us from Egypt to Rome to the Mediterranean areas that Paul visited. And it also involves uh, three nights in three nights and days in Israel. And a big chunk of that time is spent in Jerusalem. Mm. So I'm going on that trip. I'm actually one of the, <coughs> excuse me, teachers on that particular trip. And so get in that time period, September 26th through October 12th, we're not going to be able to post our normal pastor's point of view shows. Um, what we are going to try to do is do some on-site teaching of shorter type teachings on-site mm -hmm. that we're going to try to post online. And it's difficult to do this overseas because they don't, 
you know, on cruise ships and that kind of thing, they don't accept these large files. Yeah. So we're going to be trying to do those periodically in lieu of the typical pastor's point of view show that people will see. But it will be biblical on-site teaching. So you can pray for us in that regard. So if you don't see your normal pastor's point of view, hour-long show every Friday from September 26th to October 12th, don't think you missed the rapture or, you know, we got abducted by the cancel culture. <laughs> There's an actual reason for that. And sometimes yeah. if you don't tell people that, the, the our office, yes. which you administer, yes. <laughs> will be flooded with phone calls. God bless you and, all for and, your concerns. Yeah. And so, you know, that's just a word to the wise. Would you add anything to things we've said? What a great day it is to be serving the Lord and what a wonderful time we've had with you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your participation. Uh, do be praying for us. We pray for you and we love you so much. Thank you. See you next time. Maybe that's not the best way of saying it since there's a break <laughs> in our schedule. But the next opportunity we have with pastor's point of view, we'll see you then. God bless you. God bless.